Welcome, Welcome to, to Arcade Attack. Player one, please press start. Gentlemen, start your engines. Player two has now entered the game. Player three, choose your weapon. Listeners, welcome to the Arcade Attack podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to mix it up. This week I'm going to introduce Adrian first. Oh, that's the first one. <laughs> well, I don't know what to say now. <laughs> and then Keith. Hello. Keith's a sound man, so I always tend to go to him first. Sound but man. Sound man. Oh, yeah. But uh, there you go. Adrian gets his little bit of oh, so like In the line, like, I'm, I'm Dylan, obviously. Oh, uh, yeah. Hello, Dylan. So I'm not Keith or Adrian. I'm the third... <laughs> The third leg of the tripod, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> um, my tale today is Ooh. one that's been told many times, actually. But, for our purposes and retro gaming blogs, I think it's worth reiterating. I'm desperate to hear this story. Mm-hmm. Now, we don't do much... I've, I've noticed, actually, looking back on our podcast, we had, haven't touched that much on the SNES. Not yet, no. Well, we did... Yeah. We did, we did I the obscurest time. I we? did a Final Fight review eight yonks ago. Uh, we haven't really done anything else snazzy. We haven't released anything snazzy yet. Nope. Lol. So, so today, um, I'm going to talk about a certain shoot 'em up. Do you guys have any favourite shoot 'em ups on 16 bit? I'm looking at on 16 bit. Oh <laughs> hell yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, shoot 'em up, shoot 'em ups. Shoot 'em ups, bro. Shoot 'em ups. Thunder Force Four. Oh, Mega Drive. That's amazing. a good one. Um, it's on the snares, Axle A. I like that. That's good. Axle A. Badass Mode Seven effects. Yeah. Badass. Um, Gradius. Got to get. Yeah. I've, I've always been there. a fan of the R types. The R types. R type games. Yeah. Is that is that on two? Yeah. What about three D shoot 'em up? On the sixteen bit. Are you, Are you feeling crazy? Are you feeling Have right you feeling? gone crazy? <laughs> <laughs> what do I was to say to you? 
Star Fox. Yeah, Star, Star Fox. Star Fox, or as we knew it, uh, and people in Europe knew it, Star Wing. That's the one. Well, if you were in Europe, you might actually know it as Star Vox. What? <laughs> Apparently, they had to change the name. Just in Germany. Apparently, well, no, not, no, no, no. They had to change the name because they were worried because there was a German company called Star Vox. Oh. Vox, B-O-X. <coughs> Is so that the reason? That's the reason. So they were, they wow, were I did one time. And I, I should have done some more research, but I don't know what Star Vox do. I don't sure. Uh, I don't, they wouldn't have, <laughs> I've got a funny feeling, they probably did something that sl- maybe slightly untoward or didn't fit in with Nintendo's ethics. Because Nintendo oh. have a lot of ethics, don't they? Well, they didn't want to tread in their, their tail. So Star Vox could have Star done Vox. something a little bit risque, so... We won't go into that. Maybe someone can tell us. Listeners, again, we enjoy interaction. Tweet us. Listen tell us what's going Germany, on. Tell us who Star Vox Yes, are. our German listeners, please tell us what Star Vox is. And if you're, if you're the official tweeter of Star Vox Incorporated... Tweet us. Tweet us. Come on, tweet us. <laughs> don't, don't sue us, though, please. We'll follow you back as well. Okay. <laughs> so, so, Star Vox... Sorry. Star, I'm going to call it Star Fox, because even, even though we knew it as Star Wing, I think it's it's... More it's widely known. It's soul. It's it's soul is Star Fox. Yeah, it's essence. The lead character is called Fox McCloud. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not like Badger He's McCloud or anything. Yeah, it's not called Wing McCloud or Don't Fox you? McWing. <laughs> it's <laughs> I wish he was. Fox McCloud. <laughs> Isn't that like a new KFC? Um, yeah. a McDonald's, McDonald's restaurant. McWing. <laughs> McWing. <laughs> oh. No. oh. Well, that's something else we do. We, real foxes we don't do we don't do politics <laughs> and we don't do marketing for McDonald's. So um, we do good jokes that. though. Actually, uh, <laughs> sure. stop it. We try, <laughs> we try to. But um, you mentioned Axley earlier. Mm. Great. So it's three D ish looking because of the Mode Seven yeah, and the way it scrolls up and yeah. it does all that weird sort of. Twisting of the sprites. Whoa, yeah. whoa, 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 whoa! What is this mode seven you're on about? Mode seven, um, uh, brrr, um Super Mario Kart. Um, yeah, you're yanking my chain. You're crushing what it is. Ah, you yanker. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, Star Fox uh, was only uh, get this right was only the second 3D shoot 'em up that Nintendo ever developed at the time. The second, the yeah, sec- ever at the time. The second, what? the second. What was before it then? Well, I'm going to come to that later. I'm going to come to that. Because it's all. Can I have a, can I, all, no guesses or not? No. Okay. No. We're getting no guesses. <laughs> it's all linked to what I'm about to explain. Okay, sorry. So you're in the fo- you're on the cockpit of Fox McCloud, and you've got his team buzzing in your ear, and sometimes they fly with you, and yeah. So what's their mission? What kind of mission can they do? Defend their home planet, of course. Well done. You got to, you know, if you're flying around on a planet, you have got to defend your home planet. Yeah. So the forces of Andros, <laughs> not Andros Townsend. <laughs> <laughs> you would defend that planet. Uh, <laughs> I've got idea. When I was playing the other day, I, I couldn't stop laughing when that came up. Can you imagine? Oh, Andros the Townsend. Oh, <laughs> someone should do a hack where all the bosses are just Andros Townsend's face. Trying to whip in crosses. I think when we promote this podcast, we have to have a random picture of Andros Townsend. Yes. Just to confuse I'll just people. put it on the webpage. It, it will be there. <laughs> It'll be there. Look back at it, listeners. Go check the webpage. You'll see a face of, you'll see a face of Andros Townsend. <laughs> anyway, so everything, uh, 16-bit wise, 
with shoot 'em ups had been pixelated sprites. Yeah. We love sprites, don't we? We can we, we can spend all day looking at sprites. Sprite art is now is now a thing. It's it's got pixel art, it's yeah. come it's come back into play. Now Star Fox used three D polygons. Whoa. That that's crazy on the on, on the SNES, yeah. Sixteen bit machine. Wow. Have you said what year it came out? No, but if you want me to touch on it. Just out of interest, you know, again, we're talking SNES. 1993. 1993. 1993. So, 3D polygons on the SNES. 3D polygons on a SNES. Uh, I actually didn't play it until a couple of years afterwards. So I only, yeah. I only did it because I borrowed um, our friend Barnaby's SNES, I think. Uh, and he had Starwing. And that's when I had a look at it. But oh, even man. then, in 95, 96, I appreciate it. Because I don't yeah. think the Mega Drive needed the Mega CD and the 32X to get those kind of effects out. The Star Fox cart did it well, there was in 93. The, there was virtual racing, wasn't there, on the Mega Drive, which had... Oh, yeah, they did that. The, yeah. What is it? It's the Super FX chip in the Mega... Ah! The, uh-huh. I know you're going to mention that. Virtual racing had the VFX chip or something. Yong yong yong, yeah. It's that's made the it thing. like a hundred quid as well. This is like this is it's a, <laughs> Star Fox wasn't cheap actually. No, it wasn't. Thinking about it, I remember. I think the price point. This is just off the top of my head now. I think it was about well, the other games were about 40, 50 quid. I think it was about seventy. Yeah, 75. I think you're right. Think so the hard, you know, the hard, the hardware that had to be in the cartridge to well, make the tool work. That, all the magazines and stuff talked up the chip, didn't they? Oh God, they talked it up. So, yeah, you mentioned it there. The Super FX chip. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What do we like as gamers? We like effects. Oh, we like yeah. We super. like FX. Super FX. Give it, make it super, and we like it superly as much. Super it up. So, what the chip did was render... The chip actually rendered the 3D polygons okay. and made a lot of the 2D effects, like the lasers and things, look better. That's what it did. So without that chip, none of that would have been possible. Mm. So all those polygons just would not have would not have been the thing. So it was essential yeah. to it. So if you've got the cart, what you're if you're holding it there, you've got in it something that is probably more powerful than any other SNES. Well, it's definitely more powerful than any other SNES game you've got in your in yeah. your library. And starving is not is not expensive to pick up these days. No. No, no, Star, no, Star Wing, Star Fox. It was massive, wasn't it? And yeah. it was it was a packing game at one point later on, wasn't it? I think there is a version of it that's really it. rare. I think you did this on the top, the top ten yeah. SNES rare games. It was a bell. There was, I think. Oh, we'll have to yeah, dig no, down. There was. Okay. Anyway, yeah. So we'll leave you find that out by the <laughs> end of the podcast. Um, there is a version of it that's crazy rare, but it's not rare. Um, the game still contains a lot of bitmap images so in the old sprite yeah pixel art. Yes, but, it does, yeah. but the FX chip just makes everything gives it glow it gives it a, a resonance it, it brings it, you know it takes you right into the cockpit of that of that fighter now like you said there you wanted the year 1993 so this is at a time where Nintendo and Sega 
were doing things to keep the lifespan of the 16-bit machines going. What a year, though. What a year. But, you know, Sega were... They were umpteen 24-meg carts out. Yeah. They were packing in those megs. I mean, <laughs> before, I think there were only 8-meg carts. I think Mega Drive games started off that. And then they just doubled to 16. Mm. And then they whacked in another 8. 24 massive carts. That's what they were doing. Uh, Mega CD. Yep. Mega CD coming in. Um, and then a year or two later, then you had the 32X just before, just before the Saturn came out. Nintendo were doing different things. Super FX cart. They were also making massive carts. Donkey Kong Country. Mm. Killer Instinct. Classic. What is in what is in those cartridges? You wouldn't realise. You just think it's another game. You think yeah. it's another game to add to your lexicon. But it, you're looking at technological advances that Nintendo were doing at the time to rival Sega. They're a great thing to look back on. Now, you... <laughs> One thing I think you wanted to ask was, what other games does this uh, um, contain the Super FX chip? Mm. <laughs> it was crazy. The first, the first generation of the chip. I know one of them. I think. I uh, what it's bloody cool now. There's, oh, there's two that really um, off the top of my head. Dirt Racer. Yeah. Dirt Racer. Uh, and Vortex. Oh, what's that I'm thinking of then? Uh, I don't know. Wasn't Pilot Wings? Am I talking rubbish? Yeah. I'm talking rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's lots of Mode 7 in Pilot Wings, but yeah. it wasn't a super... The second gen... The Star second... FX. Is that the first gen or the second gen of the chip? I don't know, I'm just... I think, I I think the second... Was, yeah, I think the second... That might be... Yeah. Yeah, so the se- there was a second gen of the chip that had better games on it. I can't remember them, but I think they were right towards the end of the, the SNES lifespan, so I don't think anyone paid, okay. paid much attention to them. But, yeah, it was... Essentially, the, the Super FX chip might have just been called the, the Star Fox chip. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's basically what it is. Now, the chip itself, if you crack open your car, don't okay. ever do it, right? Actually has Mario written on it. What? Does it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh. Now, do you know why it's got Mario written on it? They were planning to use it for a 3D Mario game? No. <laughs> was it almost like trying to keep Sega off their scent possibly like they've got this great new game but they want to keep it sort of secret interesting maybe? interesting both good guesses Mario stands for mathematical argonaut rotation and input output that's what it stands for the reason that it was called that is because Star Fox was made in association with a British development company called Argonaut. Uh, so today, to, together, they came up with that uh, little acronym, and it's it's a nice touch. Yeah, Mario is a big, obviously massive, well, Nintendo's biggest player, and he's actually in inside the in car. the Star Fox car. Yeah. It's, it's right. It's really nice. So, what was? And you asked me earlier, what was the first three D shooter that Nintendo ever worked on? Give you a clue. It was also an Argonaut games. Game. No? I don't, I... It was a Japan only Game Boy game called X. Mm-hmm. Okay. Released in 1992 and designed by a certain chap called. Oh, actually, a certain chap, also my namesake, mm-hmm. called Dylan Cuthbert. We like Dylan. We know the name. 
I've chatted to the man. It's a pleasure to discuss him on this podcast. So X, which we can now play through the joy of emulators, is a fantastic achievement. A Game Boy 3D shoot em up game. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. You're talking about the original Game Boy here. Original Game Boy? <laughs> How could you even fathom such an idea? I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. What do... do you have some news for me about that stuff? Well, I found out a bit more done digging around on a certain <laughs> website called Arcade Attack. <laughs> I don't know if you've heard about it. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> and I found out, yes, you're right, Star Fox is not particularly rare, but mm. there is a version that is very rare. The Star Fox Super Weekend Competition. Oh? Now, I've, I feel... That we missed a bit, a bit of a trick here because apparently there was there was a good competition held around shopping centres in the US of A and Europe. Ooh, okay. And uh, this this competition uh, was the Star Fox. It was basically promoting Star Fox, and it was basically a chance to win T-shirts, jackets, hol- and even holidays. And there were two thousand cartridges made for this event. So mm. you obviously go around the countries with this with this cartridge. Yeah, um, yeah I mean. It, if you can get one of those cartridges, what are you looking at? Well, with again, this might be slightly out of date now, but we're looking at probably about three hundred pounds. <laughs> you know, it, it's it just says Star Fox Super Weekend around around the cartridge, so and it's a blue car, right? It's a, it's a that might be a blue car. Yeah, I think it's a blue. I think it was a point that it was a blue car. Yeah, and it says not for resale, but if you do buy it, if you're a bit naughty, it clearly says not for resale. <laughs> yeah, I think they were. Um, yeah, so there's a limited number available. They were sold off by Nintendo Power originally for about $45. And now they're oh. worth a lot, lot more. Those are the kind of things that we need to be grabbing. You need Anything you see that's slightly limited edition like that, grab it, grab it. 45 Great. bucks. You're going to make quite a bit of money on that. So yeah. Um, so X and Dylan Cuthbert. A great achievement. But, and it, you know, it, it, you know, it, it got Nintendo thinking about... Mm. About 3D, and you know, it's natural, natural progression. As CD-ROM is a natural progression in games back in the 90s, mm-hmm. 3D also natural progression. Now, at the time Star Fox was released, and even when I played it a couple of years after, I didn't know who the hell Dylan Cuthbert was. No. But like I said earlier, it's been a pleasure learning about him, and in fact, how he came to prominence. So, Argonaut. I think it's fair to say we're a pretty pioneering company. And we, again, as kids, we didn't really realise how much Britain contributed to video gaming. Look at all the development houses that are in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Look at... Sensible Software, Bitmap Brothers. This is what I said. Team 17. I mean, we, yeah. Bullfrog, we could, we could go here all day. Codemasters. Codemasters. Blimey. You know, Psygnosis, you know, it's ocean stuff was happening down the road from us in Croydon. We were at school, we didn't know um, yeah. Croydon was a tech hub, but, you know, you, <laughs> t- you tell me. Um, but yeah, all, this, all this great stuff was going on. And Argonaut were, you know, uh, Star Glider, so they wanted to do, you know, they were, they were in that kind, of, that kind of zone, that kind of 3D, blah, grab it. So, Dylan, actually... It's, it's, so it's I'm not talking tell. about myself in third person. <laughs> he is. Dylan initially couldn't get a job at Argonaut. So he'd been programming from around the age of 10. Wow. Oh right? 10 years. I mean, now that kids are going into programming, it doesn't seem so odd. But back then, mm. 10. 
a child of ten like program. Oh my god, he would have blitzed us out of the room, mate. Like seriously, I'm like, what? What? So he couldn't get a job there because all of his work was was two D. Right. So I'm oh, gonna be three D. So and. Uh, um, Argonaut were founded by a guy called Jez San. So Jez sent Dylan packing, said, "Okay, kid, you're good, but we want something. We want something 3D out of you." Mm. So what he did was, and this still sounds really, really complicated. And I've watched a documentary called um, "From Bedrooms to Billions," the Amiga version. Oh, is that worth watching? I suggest. Uh, uh, it's a bit too techy for complete enjoyment and you yeah. have to kind of kind of zone out a bit when they're going too in-depth as to the hardware and the Amiga but the Amiga had several different chipsets which was unheard of so before then computers used to do things mm. once then kind of do an, do an action go back to it do the same thing it couldn't multitask the Amiga was all about sort of multitasking mm. and getting things working that's what that's what kind of pioneered that and then the Atari ST tried to copy it etc etc but that's another that's another thing so so Dylan had an Amiga at home so what he did was he developed another demo in the coming months after he got rejected by Argonaut hmm. and he used um, the blitter in the Amiga so what is that that's essentially a circuit um, on a microprocessor that can copy large chunks of data from one place to another right so he instructed the blitter to actually to render polygons. This sounds crazy difficult because the Amiga, as you know, it was predominantly it's a two it's a two D two D. They wanted it to. I mean, they had three D ish kind of effect. Oh, there was a really good three D game on it. Yeah, come back to me. They had some three D goodish effects, but you know, like you know, he demonstrated his skill by making that chipset, making that mm. hardware churn out. Churn out polygons. Do stuff it wasn't even designed to do. That's exactly it. Mm. So, boom. Jez San said, all right, mate, <laughs> have a job. So, at the age of 18, 18, yes, he was flown to Japan to work to work the PC version of Starglide How, how old was he again, sorry? 18. 18. Can you imagine that? Oh, we're just going to whisk you off to Japan at 18. Yeah. You're, you're so great. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're, we're teaming up with Nintendo, and we're gonna take you with us. You're gonna be 18, and you're gonna live in Kyoto. By his own admission, I think in the first week of him living there, he knew he wanted to stay there. Oh. I think he's been there ever since. Oh, wow! So Kyoto is like number one on the tourism and travel board for cities to visit, or something. I've been to Tokyo. I'd love to go to, to Kyoto, but it's you know it, it's on the lists. It's on the list. So. He basically, Argonaut were there to develop the 3D systems with them, and Nintendo didn't have a great grasp of 3D at the time, so the, the partnership seemed, you know, it seemed like a logical thing. Mm. Now, I, it's, the X, X on the Game Boy would have done amazing over here, but when you consider that the Game Boy is arguably the most the biggest well I think it is the biggest selling console of all time still still I think so wow. I think it rocks up something like 70 million units which I don't think anything has come close to since PS2 is close to that PS2 yeah. is like 150 oh, is million it? something like that it was insane okay. I think PS2 is actually the biggest selling oh, okay of the retro consoles I think but, oh yeah probably yeah. yeah 
So the retro consoles, I think the, the, the Game Boy is still the king there. So yeah, yeah, the PS2, rightfully, yeah, if you say it's the... I'm pretty sure. Of that. I think it deserves that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it didn't need X, I suppose. But what, I guess what not if, what if you're in those Game Boy, um, Game Boy days, you had a 3D shooter map as well? Well, that would have been amazing. My mind would have been blown. It would have been yeah, blown. I don't, know, I don't know Nintendo's thinking about not releasing it over here, but, you know, the Japanese market lapped it up. It set Dylan on the right path there. So, yeah, I think it is... It, it, it could be, technically, the best Game Boy game there is. But we never got to play it. And that is sad. That is sad. So, as you know, as I said earlier, it took him about a week to realise that he wanted to live in Kyoto. Now, he is, I think, as Nintendo as they come, even though he ended up working for for Sony. And when when I interviewed him, it was quite interesting to for him to refer to um, a certain. Mr. Miyamoto mm. as his disapproving uncle. Oh, <laughs> that's wow. how much that's how much he thought that he, he thinks of Dylan. Like basically he's like he's like his, you know, rascal type of nephew that's yeah, yeah. done all this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, his when Nintendo weren't a massive force at the time that he went over. So he went over there. Um, sort of late 80s, early 90s. Nintendo were massive in Japan, but they weren't so big yeah. in, they were in big Europe. in America. Big in America. Because the NES was so popular. Yeah, in big in America, America big in Japan. So in not so big yeah. in Europe. So, so Jez San and Dylan Cuthbert went over there with a bit of moxie, a bit of, you know, they're like... A bit of British gumption. Yeah, British gumption. Your 3D is rubbish, mate. They're basically... <laughs> I can imagine them walking in going, your 3D is rubbish, mate. You know? <laughs> we'll, de- we'll help you develop it properly and then, and then we'll take it from there. So, and the, gu- the, guys, the guys that he... Miyamoto. Miyamoto, he didn't work with until Star Fox. But he developed um, X with Gunpei Yokoi. The guy who created the Game Boy. Whoa. Oh my God. The gu- no, not, oh no, no. Not only the guy who created the Game Boy. The guy who created the Game and Watch and also the original control pad. Oh, wow. Boom. And he basically... I can't even speak thinking of those guys. <laughs> Dylan Cuthbert basically went in and went, okay, um, all right, I'll develop this game with you. You're all right. Yeah, okay, we'll take it again. <laughs> and then, you know, he did such a good job. Like, you know, Japan's all about respect, yeah. I think. Mm. But they're not about arse-kissing. They're about if you... If you give them enough respect, like enough, and you prove that you're worthy, then they'll, then they'll sort of leave you be. So he clearly did that. Yeah. X was groundbreaking for, for Game Boy. So then he got to work with Miyamoto for Star Wars. Well, Miyamoto is arguably the most important game developer of all time. He's like number one on everyone's, I think most people's Probably list. Probably so, yeah. It's, wow, absolutely incredible. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they backed it up and then... When, um, you know, if, if you had a time machine and, <laughs> and Dylan's kind of intellect, wouldn't you go back and be him at that time to work with these guys in that moment? Seriously, he's, he's like, I don't know, do I call it rock and roll? Retro gaming rock and roll? <laughs> His days working there? That's crazy working that's with fair. those guys. Yeah. I don't know. Um, 
So, because the Game Boy stuff was so good, then me and Moto's team obviously had instant sort of respect for yeah, him recognition when he, when he came in. And this, I'm, I'm going to repeat his words verbatim here. So, a key thing that, that Dylan learned when he worked with him was uh, Miyamoto's high iteration of ideas and attention to detail and the almost cold clinical ability to cut features that might seem cool from some perspective but just don't fit somehow into the overall flow of the game. And that, in a nutshell, uh, demonstrates why Miyamoto has been so successful. And in fact, you could say that Dylan's kind of took that through his career as well. So, you know, that's, that's, that's a massive thing, isn't it? I mean, we, yeah. you, you talk about decisions and gaming decisions, and we've spoken about other games mm. that have had made bad decisions, other consoles that have made we've, bad decisions. We've spoken about it many a time. And about cutting things, and you have to have that ruthlessness, and that's yeah. what Nintendo had at the time, and he was like, and he was part of that, and he was a big part of that, because Star Fox, you play it, you know, from that first bit where you're in that kind of launch pad and you go into the first level, it's epic from that first yeah. level. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you can take those kind of three kind of routes and um, all to get to like the final kind of face yeah. boss thing at the end, it's just, it's, it is epic. It's, it's not as cinematic as some games that, that we like, no. like to talk about. Um, it's very playable, isn't it? As well, the, the, it's playable. Yeah. It's it it's all action. It's all action. Mm. It's gorgeous to look at. Now, I mean, you don't think that a super you play any other you play like ten different Super Nintendo games for a couple of hours and then stick in Star Fox, and you just know like that. Even the bit where you have to go through the rings. Um, oh yeah, it's always good fun. But that what you know that is just you're just flying. They're just flying the plane through some rings. It's just so smooth, isn't it? As well? It's so smooth. It's so beautiful yeah. to control. There's nothing that's tacked onto that game that shouldn't be there. So it's all there. Um, so his days at, at Nintendo were good. It got him then a job at Sony. I don't know if you know about this, but Dylan did the, um, the original demo demonstrating the, um, the capabilities of said PS2. Oh, really? Did wow. you know this? No. The duck demo. Ah. Google nice it. Alright. So, he's gone from great, enormous success at yeah. Nintendo in his early 20s. Sony snapped him straight up. You know, mm. it's, and he's still, I think he's still at Sony. You oh, no. He's, he's got his own, I'll get on to that in a minute. So, he had a good time with Sony but doing PS2. But you think Nintendo would try and keep him? I don't know why they didn't try and keep him. Yeah. I just, I think, I think actually he wasn't really, I suppose he wasn't truly theirs. Because if he worked for Argonaut, and if he was part of them, and I suppose when, when they disbanded and everything, mm. everyone went their separate ways, and Nintendo didn't really need 3D experts anymore, I suppose that's why they didn't did he, bother to try to. I don't know, you might be saying so, but did he work on the future Star Fox games? Yeah, he oh, did. He did a couple of works on the future ones, yeah? Yeah, he did work on the future ones. He worked on the sequels. Um, okay. I think. After Sony, he then founded his own company called Q Games. So he was 29, actually, when he founded that company. Oh. So they did the first DS. I've forgotten what the name of it is. I think they did the first DS Star Fox game. Yeah, yeah. And then they've just done their own stuff since. So they've done... I don't know if you guys have ever played the Pixel Junk shoot 'em up games mm. on the PlayStation. Yeah. Really fun, kind of... Okay. 
Tron kind of really lucky oh. shoot 'em up game. Yeah. Really fun. Cute games. That's him. It's got it's got him all over it. Like it's just, you know, there's nothing in there that doesn't need to be in there. It's all, you know, it's a great shoot up experience. Yeah. You know, that's what this guy does. And you know, he's he's learned a lot and I think you know, we need to pay sort of homage to him and Star Fox as a as a technical you know masterpiece. A technical wonderment really, yeah. yeah masterpiece, yeah. wonderment. Um so Q Games, you know, he's he's still doing the Q game stuff. I don't want to end the interview well, not the interview, the podcast on a on a downer, but the the main reason that I managed to catch him for an interview was that this time last year he was doing a closed beta test for something called the Tomorrow Children. Have you guys ever heard of this? Mm. Keith, you've got a PS4. You can download it for free. Oh, so what it is, is um, it's like a dystopian... I don't exactly explain the plot, but you are a child in this sort of Soviet-era mm. wasteland, oh, okay. and you have to mine for stuff and build up cities and things. And you do it with other people, so it's all yeah. online. So you kind of do it, you see people wandering Sounds around. ambitious. Well, this is the thing. It's crazy ambitious. And I think the critics were a bit harsh on it. And I feel a bit sorry for them. That, I mean, I don't know. I don't think you'd ever listen to this. But, um, you know, he was really pumped about it when we had, um, <clears throat> we had a little chat last year. But uh, GameSpot gave it 3 out of 10. Whoa. And I watched the GameSpot review. And a lot of it, okay, a lot of it does kind of ring true, but I think there will be, I think you just maybe just got out of the wrong, wrong side of the bed today. So, you know, um, there are collision detection problems. There are, um, when you're carrying stuff around, you use taxis and buses and things. So it says it's quite monotonous, sort of going back and forth, carrying mm. this kind of... Is it open, or and, open world sort of free? It's, yeah, it's kind of, you, you've got a, you sort of have, you have your base and then you can go to these other islands that randomly appear right. but these islands look amazing so they're like they've taken like one's like a face or something and you've got to like crack into it and get all this got to mine this stuff it's not as maybe it's not as interactive as it should be it's a bit haphazard because you're building these cities with other people but you can't talk to them there's no talk facility mm. so they're doing their own thing and you're trying to build stuff right. in the yeah. same place so How, it's yeah. a little bit yeah. haphazard yeah. yeah I think in a closed beta it would have worked because if you've only got a few people playing it mm. um, then maybe you can kind of get some you know how people synchronise and stuff yeah. Yeah. Kind yeah. Of get some rhythm. but when you're sort of just diving into the online world I can see why it's got mm. it's kind of got I think the other reviews more about five sixes out of ten I think there's a bit more that's a bit more like it fair reflection but you know Dylan for what he did for us back in the 90s deserves a lot of respect Um, I can only say I hope that Q Games goes from strength to strength yep and uh, yeah we'll see what he comes up with next
Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get in touch regarding this week's episode or anything else, you can tweet us at Arcade Attack UK, at Keith Barlow82, and at Arcade underscore Adriano. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Arcade Attack UK. Please check out our website at arcadeattack.co.uk for lots of retro gaming goodness, interviews, reviews, features, top tens, etc. And you can also find all our previous podcasts there. Our podcasts are available to stream from the website and from SoundCloud and are available to download for free from Stitcher, Podbean and iTunes where you can also leave us a review and a rating which we would really, really appreciate. So until next time, take care and we'll speak to you soon.